0: mindfulness mode.
1: This is where we live. So taking care of it, nurturing it, nourishing it, but finding those moments to move it and keep it still, but without judgment.
0: Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness, Mindful Tribe. I'm here with a guest that I think you're going to be fascinated with. She's a trained in movement, meditation, and mindfulness, and she's a certified yoga teacher. She's a trauma-informed movement educator, and a meditation and social emotional instructor. I'm here with Michelle Hillier. Michelle, are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: I'm feeling it, yes, you caught me on a mindful walk on the water this morning when we connected. And I do start my day every day with, with meditation. So I feel like I try to live the most sort of mindful day as I can throughout, as I walk through my day. So I'm in a mindful mode right now, 100%.
0: That's fantastic. And what does mindfulness mean to you, Michelle?
1: Well, you know, I was exposed to mindfulness and meditation probably um, 15 years ago. I don't think I was quite ready for it. I think we have to be at a point in our lives where we can embrace it, you know, based on our own journeys. But truly what I was what I've come to see mindfulness for me is being in that being truly in the present moment, but without judging what's going on. And we can get so you know we can escape our present moments so quickly with our own thoughts that become feelings that become actions that aren't in our best alignment so mindfulness to me means means being in that present moment whatever you're doing so if it means meditation great if it means walking dancing eating playing with your children it's that i'm here this is my, i'm i'm actually making a conscious effort to bring myself into the present moment which is hard
0: Sometimes it is, isn't it? Yes. Well, you have done so much work with movement and I know you use your personal story and movement to help others in the world. So how does movement take a role in all of this?
1: Oh yeah, so movement has been, I guess, before I could walk, I could I was dancing, as my mother says. <laughs> uh, and that led to a journey of of dancing and movement and fitness my entire life, probably over you know over thirty five years now. so i I started out as a performer on stage. So I got that taste of what it was like to have the accolades of an audience and get that rush. However, my my calling was to uh, educate movement, not to perform. So I left the stage after, I worked on cruise ships and did the whole thing. Had that, yeah, it was a really great, great run. But I really found that children and education was where, and in schools was where I could really start making a difference. So I wasn't—I was a high school teacher at one point in my career and um, left this the system. Took fly, flew from the nest of teaching, which everyone thought at the time I was a little bit, a little bit nuts, leaving the the security. But I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I have that spirit in me so i started developing mindful movement programs for schools and that's really where i saw the the reach and the spread that i could have by training teachers in what my what my idea was dance what dance and movement should should look or can look like as opposed to the follow the leader set choreography it was more about really getting children into their bodies moving the way they want to move to music that inspires them and there was no right, right or wrong way to move their body which is truly mindful movement when we're in our present self right
0: children are made to move they're made they to, love move. to move. Yeah, I, yeah i mean
1: especially and unfortunately it gets sort of conditioned out of them they fr- move so freely without abandon as children and then you know peer groups and looking the right or wrong way to do something starts to happen. And so my, I, I spent a lot of time working with children and teachers. And now I work with pretty much every, every human. If you have a body, you can move. <laughs> so yeah, um, right. I've left the education um, sphere as my main home. And now I use movement to get people into their bodies. We do so much talk therapy and sharing circles and we use our words so much to heal but I really feel like the getting into our bodies which obviously carry us around carry our our talking heads around um, this is often neglected and if we can if I can share with people strategies to move their body in a mindful way that feels good and is fun and engaging that's what I'm that's really what I feel like I'm meant to do
0: that's really exciting. Well, how about uh, you do a little example for us? Oh, sure. say I'm a person who, you know, I want to I want to get a taste of this, yes. I want to feel the movement. What are you going to do with me? What are well, you going to tell me to do? I would
1: put music on. I don't know if we can do that okay. right now. <laughs> but sure. I, I would put sure. some music on something. Yeah. It depends what mood we're in. So if we want to do something more yoga inspired or stretching, I would have I would ask you to let's just start with like how your head wants to move. So Bruce, drop your chin down to your chest. And take a deep breath into the back of your neck. So even drop your chin further and breathing back back into the back of the neck. Start taking small circles with your chin from shoulder to shoulder. Again, not judging the way you're moving. And I would just ask people to, like, do what feels right for them. And so from there, we might start to move our shoulders in a certain way, involve our Mm -hmm. wrists, And really, it's that, um, like, how does your body want to move? start to get loose. Start to get loose. And we have, you know what happens? We have this little voice in our head that stops us and says, what are you doing?
0: It does, (laughs) yeah. It says, stay tight, stay tight. Stay tight.
1: And I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. What is this supposed to look like? I'm going to get this wrong. I look stupid. Like, we have those internal voices. So Mm -hmm. I constantly message people on And that's the trauma-informed piece as well, is that they're like inviting them to make the movements their own, not having to follow me. So it's about a lot of invitational messaging and positive enforcements. And then music also adds a nice little element to it as well. Of course. Yeah. So we can go from slow movements like that to, say, a strong drumming song where we're shaking or twisting Mm -hmm. or swinging, like movements that feel good. Fun. You know, like functional movements. That's what yeah. I. That's what I've really um, done my work in lately.
0: Right. So there yeah. are no wrong There's movements. No Just wrong. Wherever I move is fine. Ah,
1: yeah, the way you want to move is fine. And if I'm moving my right arm, you're moving your left arm. I don't care. If I'm going this way, you're going that way. I don't care. <laughs> so
0: I'm already feeling better. Already feeling Michelle. better. Yeah, it's very. Yeah. It's
1: very freeing. Right. It's it freeing. Yeah. Yeah. And therapeutic. I mean, I didn't make up this term, but um, the issues lie in our tissues. And Uh that is so true. And I found that in my own healing journey, movement is a way for me to move energy. If I'm sitting too long, or stagnant, I know my body needs to move something through it. And that doesn't mean going to the gym or going doing a traditional workout. I just got to move.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think that we hold the most tension in our bodies? Is there a place?
1: Uh, I think everyone holds it everywhere, neck and shoulders. I mean, we're Unfortunately, we are glued to these. <laughs> yeah, so I'm there's, a lot, the of, there's yes. a lot of looking down. So I tend to a lot of my clients have neck and shoulder tension. Um, we're uh, we're a busy society. The word busy drives me a little nuts, but it's a it's a it's a condition being busy. And I think when we're busy, we really um, we tap out our adrenal glands. We really overrun them. So that's the base of the spine. So along the adrenal area, a lot of people complain of lower back pain. I often ask like how busy are you <laughs> are you are you giving yourself what you need and like oh no I've been on a stretch of this and this and I haven't taken time for myself so those are the lower back pain and then we get into joints and things that happen as we age but I, I really feel like people hold their issues wherever um wherever they wherever there's a little vulnerability in their body if there's anything going on that's not in alignment the pain is going to go there
0: wow yeah Wow, I, I'm feeling a lot more relaxed already. <laughs> I know that you talk about your breaking point, when you experienced your breaking point in, in life and you've had some traumas, you've had some tough experiences. Would you share, Michelle, what some of these experiences were?
1: Absolutely, so um, yeah, So yeah, as we sit here now, April 2022, I can say that April 2020, I was a very different, uh, I was in a very different place. We all had the global pandemic sort of upon us and prior to to covid um i was very busy with my work and very happy i was on corporate stages doing wellness presentations i was 2020 was booked i had keynotes lined up i was very um very busy in my work and that what i've come to realize is my work was one of my escapes Mm so on on the home front in my personal life my mother was um sort of just starting the signs of dementia. There were some cracks in my marriage starting in my personal life and I was running out to to my work. And I think this is a very common theme for many people. They find outlets. Yeah. And one of my other outlets was uh, I liked to, par- I, I liked to party. <laughs> I liked to have a yeah. good time. You find me where there's a social situation, you'd find me, whether it was at a mummy's in the park drinking wine group with my son when he was little, or it was a neighborhood gathering or a corporate event where there was an open bar. It, it, for me, it felt like where I, where I could, Get my socialization and my outlet, but there was always alcohol involved. So um, when COVID happened, my escape of working was canceled. So I felt like every day from March of 2020, I was getting an email for about a month: event is canceled, event has gone online, event is pivoted to next year. Like it was, it was constant. So there I was isolated, and I think a lot of people can understand the isolation and the boredom that came with COVID. And so I instead of my escape to work, I leaned heavy into the second escape, which was um, drinking and it was take it took the edge off um, mm-hmm. the, the boredom and the loneliness. And I realized that it was be, it was becoming too frequent. And I think this is also as I talked to other friends and clients and everybody, drinking did ramp up in COVID for a lot of people and or other other outlets eating online shopping there were people were looking for things to escape to, right? Um, Exactly. Yeah, it was just we were just we were stuck. We didn't know what to do. So that that whole idea of taking the edge off became a little too too intense during 2020, where I recognized that I had a problem, I was having a problem managing my alcohol. And I surrendered in the fall of 2020. And I actually sought out treatment. And I've been in recovery since December of 2020. So um, totally different life. I, um, I no longer am married. I made huge life decisions. I rebranded my whole business to align with recovery and my journey and what it feels like truly to hit, I guess, a bottom. And I never thought I'd be here. I never thought I'd have to hit a bottom to be where I am now, which I'm so happy and uh, truly I feel authentic again. That's what was missing. That's what I really feel is the message with my story is that over the 20 years of escaping to work, to drinking, to partying, to socializing, to chaos, I was just steering mm-hmm. myself away from my authentic self. And that's where I feel uh, like I found again in recovery.
0: And how difficult was recovery for you to to let go of the alcohol and that addiction?
1: Yeah, it. it I mean, the actual alcohol, they, I like how they... I learned this at treatment it's like an iceberg we have the tip of the iceberg which is the the substances or what you're doing to escape Mm -hmm. so that like i said that can be shopping eating work workaholism drugs alcohol that's the symptom when you remove the tip of the iceberg and what's under the surface that's the what's really going on so the mental health issues the digging deep into why you're doing the tip of the iceberg. So recovery recovery for me has been an absolute exploration and discovery of, you know, childhood uh, conditions and traumas and things that we don't even look at about why we live the way we live and the decisions that we make. The actual alcohol is easy. Like that's gone, that's gone, that's gone. It's the underlying, um, the conditions that, why you were doing that. So it's, it's like tons of awareness it's work every day. Um, and I, I couldn't be working on yourself. I couldn't think of a better thing to do really. And it's, it's tough. It is, it is tough. Some days are tough. Some days are easy, but the actual recovery process has has been a beautiful journey. Yeah.
0: And so now that you're looking forward more, what sorts of things are on the horizon for you?
1: Yeah, great. I feel like I have goal. I feel like I have goals again i think i was stifled and even thinking about the future when i was wrapped up in like the chaos of life mm-hmm. and the busyness and um work and family and it just was distracting me from actual thinking ahead or maybe i was afraid to look ahead to to set goals that it felt like a, it felt like i can't see myself there so why think ahead so the future looks bright uh, I, I i have a new i sort of took an iteration of all my an evolution of my career for the last 25 years and created something called breath and fire. And that really is a culmination of all the teaching, the speaking, the mindfulness work, the dance, the coaching. I'm now a certified recovery coach. So I want to help people that are also sober curious or want to embark on a recovery journey. So I am in a helping role. I'm in a service role in in my life now. And that feels completely right.
0: Yeah. So breath and fire. Yeah. What does the fire represent?
1: Yeah. So breath and fire came to me. It totally just felt like it was birthed out of me during recovery. I <laughs> I it I came from journaling, and that's something I do every day as well—a mindful practice of journaling and writing. So I started writing these ideas around breath was like the calm. So finding the calm, but then the fire is finding the what ignites me. What's what what moments in the day do I need the calm? Whether that be I need to meditate. Uh, I need to go for a walk along nature. I need to be alone. I need to rest. That's the calm, the breath. And then the fire is like, okay, I need to be around people. I need to socialize. I need to shake my body out. I need to go do an activity and I found that I was on fire for like 25 years. I don't think I was finding my breath.
0: <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> You're out of breath. I was
1: out of breath and always on fire. So the breath <laughs> and fire are these two sort of polarities that I try to find on a daily basis. And I try to share with people how they can find what theirs are. And we all have that flame, that internal flame that if we can keep at a controlled blaze, that's the hope. Because I think my, I was either an inferno or I was on a pilot light for right. decades and not aware of it. And so now I want to be in that controlled blaze. So that's where Breath and Fire totally was birthed out of journaling and looking at my own life. That. It's so cool. I'm so happy with it. <laughs> it's
0: really cool. And it's really yeah. you. That's really the thing. I, I really feel the energy. I really feel the vibes and the fire coming from you. Yeah. So I have a I lot of fire. I do have a
1: lot of fire. That's one thing. I've I got to find tell. my breath more often.
0: I can tell. And it's breathandfire.com. Got it. Tribe. So check it out. Yeah. yeah. Check out the website. So tell us, I, I always ask a question about bullying, Michelle. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience in your life with bullying, either as an adult or a child, where mindfulness would have made a difference.
1: I personally haven't had a bullying experience. It's quite remarkable when I look back. Uh, I may have, been, to be honest, I may have been a bit of a bully. I'm just being <laughs> looking back, like yeah. a, as a kid. But I, mindfulness. Well, there's
0: the fire. There's the Maybe fire. The, the fire, fire in me,
1: and like the competitiveness and the you know, that's, that was sort of part of me, but being, I think when I look at my son, I can use him as an example instead. Um, I, I, he's not in, in an actual bullying situation, but the mindfulness piece around just awareness of, of self and the work I've done in schools with kids around mindfulness. I think if we're just, when we're mindful and present and tapped into who we are and that authentic self, I think that's where the heart really shines and we can't We can't do that to somebody else. So, again, I think it's a bullying prevention mode. I don't think it's like, oh, I'm being bullied. I need to meditate. It's like if we can teach our children, especially if we can get them young to understand mindfulness and awareness of self and love, self-love, love for others, we can prevent bullying. Does that make sense?
0: yeah it does. yeah it totally But i mean sense. if we yeah. can go
1: for bullying prevention as opposed to reaction
0: oh yeah yeah
1: that's the key so yeah i do i try to my i mean my son knows not to bother me when i'm in meditation mode <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> pretty good he might tap me on the shoulder but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah how old's your son he's 10 yeah yeah he's what great. a great he's age. A
1: sweet boy yeah really fun Age.
0: yeah that's that's awesome well we talked talked about breath we've talked about fire but what about water i know you're out mm-hmm. walking by the water today what does water mean to you in
1: your journey Ooh, you your know show? what i love that you asked that question so i'm a scorpio so i'm a water sign and i really resonate with that uh water so so being around water is extremely calming it gives me that breath there's something about the sound of it the look of it the vastness of it whether it be a river, a lake, a creek, or an ocean, I do like an ocean a lot better than all of those. <laughs> yes. I was in the Bahamas in February, and I could not get enough of the water. But also being in water. So something in my recovery journey, and I always, this must be the fire in me, I always like, baths are boring, Baths are boring. I don't want to ever have baths. I have a bath every night now. It's part of my evening routine. And it's something about being in the water. And it can be five minutes. But being in the water, I find it detoxifying. I find it calming. I find just surrounding me with it. It's really, really therapeutic. So water plays a big role in my and drinking water. I'm a, I'm. I mean, I'm not drinking alcohol anymore. So why not drink water? <laughs> yeah, water is
0: the best thing to drink. Water is so
1: water. I'm so happy you. asked, No one's ever asked me that. And water plays a huge role in my life right now, and will forever. Yeah.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. You've really done a, a complete U-turn. You've really made a huge change in your life. Huge. From the sounds of it.
1: Huge. Yeah. It's affected relationships and. Yeah, it's affected everything. It's been like my, my life changing.
0: So if you were to write a book right now, what would that book be about? What would be the the overlying message to the reader?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I think it'd be called Breath and Fire. First of all, <laughs> I have had little dreams about a book. Uh, it would be about finding home, like finding your authentic self and and looking at the cues that, take us away from home because we all know what that home is and what it feels like. And when I ask uh, in presentations and workshops, the often the first question I'll ask is, when was the last time you felt like your true authentic self? And that, you know, there's a long pause and it's, I say you can go back to maybe you were eight riding your scooters around with your, with your friends. Maybe you were 18 as a camp counselor. Maybe you were 28 giving birth to your first child or whatever. You became a parent. When did you feel like yourself? And then what happened? So, if we can identify, because I lost myself for about 25 years to relationships, jobs, decisions that I felt like they were the right things to do, but my gut intuition was always kind of whispering to me, wait a minute. And I didn't listen. So, it's about the idea of coming back to home. And we can do that. I'm 47. I can find my home. Doesn't matter how old you are, you can be 75. Find your home. There's never too late to do that, but if we, it, it'll be about um, finding your home, finding that, finding that flame, that inner flame we all have, and and trying to nurture it.
0: And do we have to go back to find what was the incident where we initially lost that that fire? Do we need to get back there?
1: I think it would help. Uh, that's oftentimes one of the activities I do in my homecoming program, which is a like three week immersive group program is identifying what do you, like, what did you love to do as a kid or as a young adult and why have you lost it? And even trying, going back to those activities or um, hobbies that you like to do or people you surrounded yourself with. I think we, yeah, having a memory back to when we did those, those, th- those things really could help as well. But just even yeah, like identifying what it it's the feeling, what did home feel like? Well, I was social, I was or I was, you know, whatever it was. I was social, I was happy, I I did things I loved, I took time for myself. And a lot of people can lose that in their especially this age group, you know, the 40s, 50s, we have aging parents, we have children, we have mortgages, we have jobs.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: there's never no, it's never too late.
0: Yeah, and and I think one of the first things we lose is the movement. Oh. Don't you think so?
1: Yes, a hundred percent. And COVID. Yeah post pandemic i'm seeing a lot of people that have really um not taken care of their physical bodies and not moved enough sat, sat too much and all like depression that's yeah. kicked in so but but i think we need to honor this body that we're in and also be okay with it not being perfect it's going to be the way it is it's going to be That's a good point. It's going to be the way it is and embracing that and that's a really hard message to hear for many people. Yeah.
0: Michelle, what does your meditation look like?
1: Yeah, so um it, it changes every day. It, it it's evolved as well. So I have a meditation practice daily. It's 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 grown through my recovery where I started out shorter periods of time, you know, five, 10 minutes. Now I I 20 minutes is sort of feels like the magic number, but I could probably stay longer if I had time. And it's gone from guided to just a tone. So I find like either an ohm sound or a hertz or some sort of vibrational sound where Mm. I'm quiet. I I like to sit cross-legged. It's just for me, I know you can lie down, you can, whatever's comfortable, but I like to have a strong spine and a soft front and really sit in it. And it's all about observing my thoughts. So I used to think that meditation had to be about me clearing my mind and now i'm very different i i let the thoughts come in almost like um either clouds passing by or a movie screen they can just mm-hmm. they pass by me and i just observe them Oh, well, there that is well that one's coming back again oh this one keeps coming every day <laughs> so i let them <laughs> just kind of go and don't judge them and so i, I just awesome. sit there in my thoughts and it, and it sounds I, that's the first thing clients say to me friends, like, oh, I can't quiet my mind. I can't sit still. I have ADD or I'm this and that. You just have to give it a try and start small, like five minutes. That's it. Three minutes. Give it three minutes and don't judge it. It's the judgment that we have
0: and that's what so many of us do especially if you know i know way back when i first started meditating that's that's the thing i'm like what is this about why am i thinking these thoughts and yeah absolutely that's the important thing is no judgment
1: No judgment and it's your way just like how i how my message is for moving your body your way is the right way you can't you can't get the meditation wrong and and i like to say too even though i do it every day some days suck some days, <laughs> yeah. some days I look down, I have a timer. I, I'm like, why am I even looking? And it's like, oh, it's only been five minutes. Other days, the bell goes off and it's like, where did 20 minutes go? So I never yeah. know what to expect. And again, I don't judge it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very, very interesting to hear what your meditation practice is like, Michelle. As we move on in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. All right, just thirty second answers are perfect. The first question is this: Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence for you?
1: Oh, I love reading Tit Han. His, oh, his yeah. yeah, his little book here. It's right here, actually. Um, the pocket. Oh yes. It's great. I just feel what you know. What's in store for me today? Boom. Three doors of liberation, and they're small little pieces. I love his work, so he's my he'd be my my teacher on meditation and mindfulness.
0: Fantastic. Let's talk about emotions. Tell us how you feel. You're dealing with your emotions differently as a result of the mindfulness that you do.
1: Mm, It's a uh, first of all awareness of them, being okay with sitting in them. So they'll come. Like like I said earlier, the thoughts will come. And they'll turn to an emotion, which could turn to an action. But it's being like, aha, there it is. There's that thought. There's that feeling. There's that emotion. Either I like it or I don't like it. I'm just going to sit in it and let it either pass or action on it. So I'm just more highly more aware of my emotions through, through doing mindfulness practices. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: The next thing I always ask is about breath. And we've talked a bit about breath. And of course, that's your thing. But can you sum it up? How can we use breath to improve our lives?
1: Mm. Oh, I love this question. So I've also just got into breath work. So with my teacher, um, she's amazing, uh, Rebecca, shamanic breath work. So I actually experience a full hour of breath work. I never thought that was a thing until I got into it. Wow. The breath is powerful. So I like to even think how one breath can make a difference in a moment that you're feeling so that you're in that fight, flight, freeze, something's going on, your body's going into a bit of a, a something, the stopping, the pausing, and one big inhale and one graceful sigh out of your mouth can completely reset your, physio- physiologic- physiologically it can reset you, because really it just tells your body you're okay. So the breath breath is super powerful. Um, and there's yeah. different breath forms, of course, that I like to share with people in workshops—breath of fire and you know the circle breathing. But I just think the traditional "let's just breathe" is also great. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, but I like to share the power of one breath and how 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 that can change your body.
0: I love that. And the book, I always ask about a book, and you already shared the pocket mm-hmm. is a book that you yeah, book. you really suggest. Yeah. Uh, very wonderful book. Are there any apps that you use or that you ever suggest?
1: Absolutely. I'm the only app I use is Insight Timer. Okay. Yeah. So I love to look at uh, Sarah Blondin's one of my absolute favorite meditation teachers. Um, they're mostly guided, but they. Oh, I crave her. I want to hear her voice. So there's lots of teachers on there. And they also give you the option of like choosing your time, what sound you want, what sound of bell do you want? So if you want to just do non-guided, I love their options. And I'm also a teacher on Insight Timer. I have one track on there if they want to find me on it. Oh. It's a movement meditation. I guided some yeah. movement
0: i'll check it out yeah mindful tribe check it out insight timer i'm on there as well so yeah It's there's so
1: many choices and they have great courses a, as well and live live true. streams and yeah
0: yeah let's just wrap up the interview with a word of wisdom what would your word of wisdom be to someone who's listening to this and maybe they want to become a little more mindful they want to become more grounded and feel better about where they're going in life
1: oh that's a great question um as you've sort of also st- struck home, Bruce, I think it's like connection to body. So if if I can leave any message, I know there's so much available to people around, around um, talking and writing and, and sharing your feelings that way, but your, your body holds so much. So my message would be to be, so let's tap into our physical bodies a bit more and not be afraid of recognizing when do I need to move it and move the energy? Get up at my desk and shake it out or sing along to a song you love and don't be afraid of looking dumb. And then secondly, finding the breath. So taking that moment of body to be still. So highly aware of body. That's, that's sort of the message that I would like to leave with people. And in all my programs, there's always you know body work, meditation work and personal development. So I never ignore how important it is to move our bodies. So, and that will bring. This is our home. Our body is our home, really. This is where we live. So, taking care of it, nurturing it, nourishing it, but finding those moments to move it and keep it still, but without judgment. The so no judgment yeah. piece.
0: Well, thanks so much for jumping on and uh, being a guest on Mindfulness Mode.
1: I enjoyed every second of it with Bruce. is great.
0: Thank you so much. Bye now. Okay, take care. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for being here today. Isn't Michelle's energy terrific? She's so upbeat. I really enjoyed this interview with Michelle. And I also want to tell you, Mindful Tribe, I appreciate all your thoughtful comments and support in response to, well, you heard my last episode, possibly it was... It was a tribute to my mom who passed away last week and if you haven't heard that episode I put up on YouTube a copy of that episode with some images and you'll find that by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash seven five eight vid and that'll take you right there and if you subscribe to my YouTube channel That would be beautiful. I would appreciate it so much. You can find me on YouTube under Mindfulness Mode. And of course, you can always find me on Facebook or Instagram, TikTok. I'm on there and I'd love to have you connect and subscribe to any of these channels or connect with me there. You can send me emails, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. So thanks so much for being here today and thanks for all the support I feel from you, Mindful Tribe. So take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode